This week, we had the privilege of interviewing Sydney Hatcher. Sydney is a mother of three girls, one of which resides in heaven. Not only is she a busy wife and mother, she is a three-time author and founder of Carmen's Miracle Makers Incorporated. Whether you yourself are a briefed parent, or maybe you're friends with someone who has lost a child, or really walking through any stage of grief, please listen in and be encouraged. Sydney shares Carmen's story and how God used the seven short months of her daughter's life to discover the importance of celebrating within hospital walls, fighting for those you love, and remembering those he has placed in our lives, even on the darkest of days. Sydney has an absolute gift with words and a genuine love for God, her family, and just blessing others. After talking with Sydney, I can honestly say my whole perspective has shifted. I've really been challenged and encouraged to view life with intentionality and celebrate the everyday and anticipate heaven even amidst the mundane. We believe intentionality exists. We are two millennial moms who are the first to admit our imperfections. We are linking arms, opening the conversation about our struggles to find balance. What if there is more to simplicity than just minimalism or the number of items in your cabinet? What if the measuring stick goes beyond the surface of materialism? What if simplicity is found deep within intentionality? Narrowing your focus to what really matters. Pursuing the right things, fleeing the dangerous things, to delight in the finest of things. In a generation saturated with instant gratification, screens, and distracted relationships, simplicity beckons. As many of you know, October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and we are so honored to have the opportunity to interview Sydney Hatcher and just get to talk to her and really hear her story and just kind of delve into this topic a little bit more. But before I say too much, Sydney, if you could just kind of introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family. Certainly. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to speak with you lovely ladies tonight. Um, so I'm Sydney, and I married my really nerdy husband at 22, and we entered the mission field. Um, while we were on the mission field, we found out that we were expecting after about nine months working in a refugee camp. And we came back to the U.S. with, with um, basically nothing. We welcomed our first daughter, Holland, into the world uh, in 2016. And we knew right away we didn't want her to be an only child. Um, however, I got very, very sick and was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disease when Holland was six months old. I was told that I would probably have a hard time having more children. Um, so after battling all sorts of symptoms for months, we miraculously conceived our second daughter, Carmen. Carmen, according to doctors, should have never been born. Um, she lived a short life, but because of her life and death, my worldview was altered forever. I am now a mom to three girls. I am founder of our organization, Carmen's Miracle Makers, and um, I'm a three-time author as well. I love getting to read your stuff. It's great. Can you kind of walk us through what Carmen's life looked like? Certainly. So Carmen came early. She was 34 weeks, and we did not expect anything to be, quote-unquote, wrong with her. Um, it was only four days after she was born when she was in the NICU, 
that some things kind of started coming together. And one doctor out of, I believe, six heard a heart murmur. She was very Mm -hmm. tiny and her chin was a little bit pushed in. So some genetic counselors came in and they all started questioning like, okay, is there something more going on um, with this little girl? And that's sort of when our lives changed. That was really my first encounter with grief um, because I ended up getting nine calls in one day of every part of her that was deemed wrong. So she had a condition that's never been seen before. It had to do with her, her ninth chromosome and the X chromosome. She had a missing part of one and a duplicate part of another that ended up translocating. They don't think it's possible to explain how she was born and really not needing any assistance at birth. So she ended up needing to have several heart surgeries. And so she lived in the pediatric intensive care unit for 194 days. Um, During that time, she was very isolated. Me and my husband could visit and my mom, that was about it. It was a very sterile atmosphere, um, very scary. We had to advocate for a life for someone who there was no research showing that there is any possibility of a life for. Really, we were just carried by our family and our community. And thankfully, I was able to be by her side and just felt this obligation to make her life beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't really know where it came from, but I had this just idea that if the hospital was to be her home, that I, I could make it beautiful in some way. And um, so it started with me taking weekly photo shoots of her where, you know, I would put a little bow on her head and a special blanket. There were weeks where I wasn't allowed to hold her or touch her. You know, you're not doing any of the normal things that you would as a, as a new parent. So bonding was, was very difficult. But these photo shoots kind of turned into a way that I could bond with her. And so I would take pictures and then I would print them out and hang them up around her room and slowly her room kind of developed into an art gallery of her progress and it was beautiful. Um, We brought in props and signs and we made our own holidays. We celebrated whatever we could. And when she passed away, obviously I knew, you know, why I had done that, that I had all these pictures of her that if I had waited for her life to begin after the hospital, I would have had 30 days. Mm -hmm. And instead, I have an extra 194 days that we really celebrated her life. From your perspective, what does it look like to love someone who is walking through or moving forward from a massive loss? What wasn't helpful and what was? I guess my first piece of advice would be, that no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. So Mm -hmm. if there is somebody that's listening right now that thinks that they've maybe missed their window um, or their time has expired to reach out to a grieving friend, I want to let them know that their words, their actions, their gifts might come at a perfect time. My second book, Still Fighting, I wanted to provide practical ways that others can help a bereaved parent. So in my experience, A lot of people do want to help, but because the topic of child loss is so taboo, many people are not equipped to even try. So we don't expect or even want someone to make our situation better. 
Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the most helpful people have joined me in my new life without my daughter. Um, mm-hmm. I have incredible friends now who say her name, who remember her on special days, who ask questions about her life and her death, and who instill confidence in me that I was and will forever be Carmen's mom. If words are not your strong suit, in my book, I list various ways that you can help someone from afar, whether it's with meals or cards or drink gifts or even donating in that child's honor can be really impactful for for the family. For me, there are certain friends and family members who are not able to, to hold my heart anymore because their silence sort of wounded our relationship, I would say. So I do my part in speaking for the lost community when I can, and I hope to provide others confidence to hold grieving hearts when they're able. Do you feel like it's more hurtful for someone to say nothing than to say the wrong thing? At times, there are some words, especially early on, that were like daggers. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, I think just going through a traumatic death like that, your vocabulary, you don't even know that some words just hurt the wrong way. And so those words could be different for everyone. But it's interesting because as time has passed, um, there's even words where in the first year, I, I did not say certain words. Mm-hmm. Like I was very against the word lost because it, for me, I, I was like, I didn't lose my daughter. Mm-hmm. So for, that was just a certain word that held this very negative connotation for me personally. However, now I use it and mainly just because it's what people understand. They know what I'm talking about and I don't feel that sensitivity. Um, so I, I think it's just, that's different for everyone. And maybe as someone who wants to help, you can ask somebody like, Hey, mm-hmm. are there certain things that I should avoid? Or like, you know, today, is there anything that's specifically hurting you? Um, and, and we'll be honest, <laughs> you know, if we have that trust to be able to share what, what's hurting. I think that's such a great perspective of just being like honest and like being willing to ask that question. Cause I know when I have had friends that have walked through really hard grief, it's like, I feel like I have to be perfect. And then I like talk myself out of it all. I'm like, well, I don't know what to say. So I'm just not going to say anything at all. But I love that perspective of like, just ask, like ask them what is probably, you know, not a great thing to say. I read recently one of your articles that you wrote about leaving the hospital for the first time and just like praying for people to be kind because they didn't know what your the situation you were walking through and just being able to read that text and hear you put it in such like simple language really changed my perspective because there are so many stories going on all around us that we just don't know, you know, like the people that... I think you talked about like having to pump gas at the gas station and like, I just don't even think of that when I'm getting gas, you know, like you totally forget that other people around you might be going through some really hard things. So I just, I really appreciated that perspective. Yeah. And it definitely, her life and death has made me a better friend, a better wife, Mm -hmm. just a better stranger (laughs) neighbor. You know, there are certain questions that I try to avoid myself because I know how I would feel if someone, hmm. you know, questioned me in that way. We just, we, you know, we never know what someone else is going through. So all we can do is be kind. And um, so, I, you know, I smile 
at everyone. I, I know it's kind of crazy, but you just, the tiny things can get people by. I love that you really touch on being so intentional and seeing how intentionality made such a difference. Like how you're saying, you know, you were able to look back and instead of having just these 30 days, instead you had so, so, so many more because you were so intentional with the time you were given. And I think that's really powerful and it's really important, especially as moms and, you know, just families that are going through these seasons with young children. And it can be so, so easy to like sit here and get wrapped up in your hard day and just wish the day away and that we forget to live Mm -hmm. intentional. Like every single day, there is meaning and purpose in every single day. So after you've gone through this personal experience of losing your daughter, what have you learned about living intentionally with our loved ones? Goodness, everything, (laughs) truly everything. You know, I feel like Carmen's life was sort of a crash course into human worth and value and Mm -hmm. how I, what I deem successful, just everything. You know, we're home a lot and not just because of COVID, (laughs) but um. (laughs) Me and my girls really, we spend time with each other. We still make up our own holidays. My now four-year-old, like she, ha- we have Butterfly Day and Ladybug Day and Mermaid Day. And I feel like that really came from Carmen, you know, that we celebrate silly things. We make cakes randomly. And she's really helped me. You know, everyone told me the fathers don't stay your marriage will fail. Mm. Your other daughters are going to struggle because of this. It was all this negativity, but there has been so much beauty in going through this loss, especially being a mother to other children. My children have, have sort of made me slow down and be intentional and just to focus on one day at a time because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Just don't. And I know that's so cliche, but Carmen also gave us this tangible anticipation of heaven that I did not ever have before. And to see that lived out through my four-year-old is nothing that came from me. Um, But just our conversations are intentional. The food that we have, the time that we spend outdoors, um, the words that we talk about, all of that, just our entire worldview. We have a choice, you know? I think that for me, I've learned the difference between happiness and joy. And I have this incredible joy now. And that only came from knowing and losing my daughter. I think it's incredible that that is your perspective. Her life is a miracle because look how it's affected your life and it's transformed your heart. And really, like you said, the way that you view life, you know, moving forward, just personally in my life, just the last couple months, um, not directly to my immediate family, but around us, we've been experiencing some pretty major loss. And like you said, we really do take our lives for granted and we take our loved ones for granted. And we don't know, we don't know how long we have. And I think to have, to live a life that's infused with being intentional and like the word that I keep thinking of while I'm hearing you talk that you keep saying is to celebrate, 
to celebrate life and to make whatever we possibly can something to celebrate. That's just, that's so, that's so beautiful. And to think that every time y'all have a mermaid day or a ladybug day, it's like, that's Carmen continuing to live Mm. and be a part of y'all's family and like the impact that her life has on your now life. I mean, that's, it's beautiful. It's truly something to be proud of. Like, honestly, like I, I'm honored to be Carmen's mom even now because to see, I didn't even know that this was something we were getting into when we created this idea of celebration, but how it's impacted the value and the worth of all humans. You know, in the PICU, we meet a lot of families who have children with medical, medical complexities or special needs. And these kids, mm-hmm. you know, society does not necessarily celebrate them. When they're born, a lot of times the parents, you know, maybe there's some shame or embarrassment or like you don't really know how to let others in. So we've created items um, such as our milestone cards, which are unique to their child. So we celebrate a child who has gone through heart surgery or got their breathing tube out or, you know, got their first bath. Like the tiniest things we like are there just celebrating as a huge victory. And it helps the the parents too and the caregivers to be like, oh my gosh, like this kid, you know, there is no standard. Like every life, no matter what, no matter if it's one hour, one minute, hundred years like there is worth there there's beauty there there's love there and just it's been incredible to watch you know sometimes we go into the hospital and we're able to do photo shoots you know for special occasions and we've seen dads kiss their baby for the first mm-hmm. or for the last time we've seen parents who you know did not know that they were able to do this or that and then they get to dress up their baby and have Christmas pictures just these these moments that I didn't realize truly the impact that was being made until we were in it. And, you know, now I never want to stop. (laughs) How special that you get all of those opportunities because of Carmen's Miracle Makers to witness all these amazing little victories. And like you said, just stays to celebrate. And, and I, as you're talking, I just keep picturing like it's so much more, than just the family, like hearing the impact that you have had on so many other people. And there's so many more lives being touched outside of that hospital room than you even know. And that you have the opportunity to celebrate and document that and have this team cheering along these children is just amazing. And especially because you've been there like you mm-hmm. you've walked that road so you know it gives your words of encouragement it gives the time that you're giving so much i don't know if credibility is the word but i just can't imagine what a gift that is to people that are walking that same path it's just amazing and like you said like carmen's continuing to live and bless and touch lives through you and that's just that's so cool so so cool yeah i mean i couldn't ask for a better way to, you know, be a bereaved parent. Like it's, I don't want to say it's it's a bereaved parent's dream, but like that I get to kind of work alongside my daughter, you know, the work that we do, it's together. Mm -hmm. I get to talk about her. I get to say her name. I get to see her name. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, it would be really hard to just 
to not have that. So something that we like to do on our show and ask the people that we have on is, is there a way in your life recently that you have simplified something? Um, it can be anything that's just added a lot of value or time or just whatever to your, your daily life. After just living in the hospital and going through the trauma of witnessing her life and her death, I do have PTSD and OCD and anxiety and my mental battle can be very debilitating. And so there are seasons that I have to really listen to God say rest. Mm. And for me, the best way I can explain my life post Carmen is it's been a marathon that there are days where he gives me exactly what I need and not a moment more not any more energy than what he has for me to do. And so just trusting in the energy that he gives me has been really important for my health. And to be able to step away and say no without feeling that I've let someone down mm. has been a big a challenge, but um, a lesson learned. And so I feel like I've been able to kind of simplify my life to be able to structure it around God's plan for me. Not everyone, you know, might always love what you choose to do with your time. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like especially as moms, as women, you know, we carry a lot of people on our backs. Yeah. And so it's hard, especially, you know, for someone who even has mental illness or not, um, I've had to be like, okay, you know what? Maybe my house isn't as clean as I want it to be today. Yeah. But this is what God did with, with this time. Like in these 24 hours this is what God did. And to me, like that's been the important thing that I have to kind of walk myself through at the end of the day is like, well, you know, what did God accomplish? And, and if it's not, if it's me saying, oh, I vacuumed and, you know, all these little things, then that's not God. And so that's, that's been like a big thing that I've been working on in this season is just to, to use my time wisely in what he has me do because our time on earth is short. Natalie and I recently have been talking a lot about self-care and kind of our own personal struggles with that and just how like we're really not very good at it because I think we're both kind of like we're doers and we're perfectionists and we like to go, go, go. But, you know, we were talking about how self-care doesn't have to have a negative connotation and it doesn't have to be like a self-serving indulgent thing. Like I think it's sometimes painted to be, and sometimes it's really about allowing yourself to have a full cup so that you can in turn fill up other people. And, you know, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about how much recently I can feel this little tug on my heart that like, I need to put the busyness aside and I need to focus on the people in my house in front of me. But like I'm resistant because I'm like, oh, well, I just wanted to get these two things done. I just wanted to get this done. I just wanted to do this. But I can literally feel like a tangible tug on my heart. Like, you know, I haven't seen my kids all day. I need to spend some intentional time with them. My husband would really like for me to sit down and watch the show with him and, you know, spend this time with him. But I'm resistant. So I think, you know, you framing it that way really 
to look at it like, what is God trying to accomplish in this moment? Is he trying to get all the dishes out of my sink? Or is he trying to get me to enjoy my beautiful family and my beautiful life? So I don't know. That's just so, so cool. I also have this sort of like goal for myself to every day play on the ground. <laughs> Love that. And that's just sort of like my, you know, like I'm, I'm a visual person. <laughs> I have little, little ones. And so like for me, if I'm on the ground, I'm on their level, like they're playing yeah. field <laughs> and like they know that my attention is there. <laughs> and so, you know, it doesn't have to be exceptionally long, but for right. me just to be like, all right, here you go. Like phone up, me down. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a That's... great way to phrase that. I love that term of just being <laughs> on the ground. And you're right. Like to them, I think of my son, he now, he just recently turned three and now that he's three, when he's in timeout, it's for three minutes instead of two minutes. And that one extra minute is like Ooh, huge to him. It's like eternity. And like, you're so right. Just even putting your phone down for like five minutes and getting on the ground with them just feels like a really long time for them. And it's really impactful. That's a great way to think about it. Well, and what if, you know, when you're, when our kids are grown up, if we were to ask them, you know, what memories do you have of your mom? You know, if they were to say like, she was always down on the floor playing with me, you know, on my level, you know, investing in whatever pretend world was happening, you know, which is my kids are really into all that right now. I mean, I mean, you can play with anything like a laundry basket or an empty box or a hanger, just anything like you tell them it's something and they are, they're in, they're like, that is absolutely a bow and arrow or whatever. That's just really cool. Another thing we like to ask people that we have the opportunity to speak with is just what is something you're currently loving? It could be absolutely anything. Honestly, I'm loving being a mom, which is weird <laughs> for me because I was, I was not going to be a mom. And I love helping others. and I love being creative. And honestly, I feel so blessed right now to be a blessing to others because there were times in my life where I could not. I could not help other people. I could not give. And it truly, there is something to be said about being in a season where you can help in some way. And so I feel really just truly in love with, with where I am right now in that aspect. And like I said, I just feel so blessed that God has chosen to use my story for good, for his glory. Um, I don't, I don't think there's anything else more that, that I can ask for than the fact that I get to, like I said, work alongside my daughters to have my family actively involved in what we're doing, make an impact for the kingdom and anticipate our time in heaven. Like, I don't know, (laughs) even my, my four-year-old the other night, she talks about heaven a lot, you know, for her, it's like better than Disney, better than, you know, anything. And um, sometimes it takes my breath away, just what she says, that she just is so excited and that she wants to go. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to hear. I've I've gotten used to it, um, you know, over the last few years of of her saying things like that. But I just love that that work like has already been done, Mm -hmm. that Jesus is already in her heart. Like, I truly feel that no matter what happens in our life, like our family will be united. I just just have like this great peace, which I like I want for everyone. Mm, It's beautiful. You 
have such a great perspective. Like, I feel like I could just sit here and talk with you all night. Like, yeah. I love just hearing Girl, I how, <laughs> like, God has really just like worked in you and through you. And it's like so evident in the words you share and just, you know, all that you're doing with this ministry and, you know, being able to serve and love on others. It's just really impactful to be able to just hear more about that and hear your heart and the stories that you have. Thank you. Like this, there's a lot to think about. I feel honored. I feel honored to speak mm-hmm. with you. And I just feel like you have this light about you in your words and in your eyes and you just get it. Like, you know, what's important. And I feel like you just have a heart to share that with other people. And we get to have you on our platform and share you with other people and get more people in touch with Carmen's Miracles because there's a lot going on there. <laughs> there is. Yeah. Well, it's an honor for me to share. Honestly, like this is what good is a story if you can't share it. <laughs> and we will make sure for everyone listening to add in the show notes, we will be linking all of Sydney's books and a lot of the resources yes. we've been talking about and just some of the different articles and there's there's a lot of really great resources that we've been sharing tonight and we want to make sure those are easily accessible for everyone listening in wow right it was such an honor to have sydney on our show and it was a joy an absolute joy to listen to her talk about her daughter carmen and her beautiful life There were two things that really stood out to me that I want to kind of present to you as a challenge to carry forward with you from this conversation. The first being how important it is to, you know, reach out to people that are in a time of mourning and a time of loss. And if you're feeling a little bit insecure about what to say to them, what words to use, how to approach it, maybe just step out and awkwardly just ask them. Ask them, you know, what's really hurting them right now, uh, what's not helpful, what is helpful, and just let them know that you're not trying to fix the problem, you're not trying to fix anything, you're just trying to be present with them and invest in their story with them as they move forward in the very, very long and important process of mourning. The second thing that really stood out to me is just the idea of like living a life of celebration. And I think that just ties in so well with the idea of living intentionally and simply because really like when we are celebrating life, we are focusing on what's most important. And, you know, we're kind of peeling back all the layers of distractions and really focusing on soaking up the moment and finding things to be joyful about. And I just loved that. And I love the idea of really, you know, approaching life with a heart of gratitude and eyes that are really searching for things to celebrate and, you know, light and life because we really don't know how long we have with those that we love. And I think while stories like this are hard to hear and can be a little bit uncomfortable initially to even kind of think about, I think it's just so worthwhile to, you know, look at how Sydney's life and Sydney's heart has been completely transformed by, you know, this very difficult 
difficult um, stage of life that she's had to walk through and will continue to walk through um, as she lives. But she has so much joy and it's contagious. And I hope that it has blessed you just like it has blessed me.